Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. I hope everyone listening had a beautiful Yom Tov and I hope you are mostly recovered from uh, the different things that we do on Yom Tov, lots of eating and recover from prayer, that's a good thing. Um, over Yom Tov, this gave me a nice opportunity to do extra reading from things uh, made out of paper uh, because during the week um, I don't have too much time to read you know, things made out of paper and magazines and newspapers. And a book that caught my attention um, several weeks ago um, is called Women of Valor, Orthodox Jewish Troll Fighters, Crime Writers, and Rock Stars in Contemporary Literature and Culture. Uh, this book recently came out. Its author is uh, Dr. Karen Skenazi, PhD. She's a culture and cultural and literary critic. Um, she is the director of liberal arts at the University of Bristol, um, and she has written for The Forward, Tablet, Lilith, various academic journals, and uh, she recently published this book. She is a Torontonian by birth, a New Yorker at heart, and a Grummy by residence. I don't know what that means, actually. I'm going to have to ask her. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. What is a Grummy by residence? That's an English thing? Um, it is. I live in Birmingham. Uh, the people here are called Brummies. It's an interesting little city, very different from where I grew up. Got it. Um, and so um, this book really, you know, when I saw an article about it a month plus ago, it really caught my attention because I feel like it sort of speaks to so much of what we're trying to do here at Jew in the City to, you know, kind of take... Um, control of the voice of, you know, the Orthodox Jewish community. And we do focus a lot on women because I think, you know, women are sort of a very big, well, A, there's a challenge of, you know, sort of women in Judaism. Not everything is so simple uh, in terms of our modern understanding of, you know, women's place or, you know, gender roles. Um, but also, I think at the same time, misunderstood. So, could you first give us a little bit of information about, like, your Jewish background growing up and how you got, you know, into the career that you're in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in Toronto, and I grew up in what I call the Jewish bubble of Toronto. I went to Orthodox Jewish day schools. I went to Jewish sleepaway camps. Um, I went on my year abroad in college to Jerusalem, which is where I met my husband, and uh, I think it was very Jewish, very traditional. Um, and I sort of swore once I became an academic that I wasn't going to write about anything Jewish. I felt like everything in my life was Jewish, what I could eat, when I could eat it, the activities I did, the places I went. For my academic life, I was going to write about other things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I wrote my master's thesis on Mexican-American literature I did my Ph.D. looking at Canadian immigrants to the U.S. Um, I worked on Asian-American literature for a long time. But um, then the time came when I got so annoyed by representations of Orthodox Jews, particularly women, mm -hmm. that I guess all, those, all, all that Jewishness inside of me bubbled over, and I, I, I had to write about this. Love it. Um, so, I guess, when did you have this idea to sort of write this book to explain the other side? And what's the process like? How did you go about? How long does it take? I mean, there's a ton of, 
you know, <laughs> footnotes and resources. So how, how long is the process of sort of compiling um, everything to back up your, your claims for this book? Um, so it took about five years, although I would say the idea started to come to me about five years before I really got into the meat of it. And, uh, and I've always worked full-time. Um, I have three kids, and this is what I call my 5 a.m. book. I would get up every morning, 5 o'clock, six days a week, and write for two hours before anybody woke up. Um, and it was, it was, you know, something I think that happened. I was visiting my family in Montreal. My husband's family is in Montreal. And there are always skirmishes between the Hasidim in Montreal and the Francophone Canadians. It's over and over in the news all the time. And I came across a book that was very different. It was a book by a Hasidic woman. Um, it was called Rather Laugh Than Cry. It was published in 2006. And um, it was not about what I so often saw about women, Orthodox women, as victims, as oppressed, as baby machines. It was about Hasidic life, just sort of normal stories. In fact, it was kind of written as, a, we are just like you, but, you mm -hmm. know, maybe we have some more children than you. Maybe we have a few slightly different concerns, um, different challenges, but actually we're moms, we're dads, we have families. We're not so different. And that was, I think, the first book that I started writing about. Um, and I remember I came back to Princeton. I was living in New Jersey, and I was talking to one of my friends, um, and she said, have you ever read Faye Kellerman? And I said, you know, I don't really read mystery novels. And she said, you know what? These are a little bit different. Take a look yeah. at them. And then I started reading those, and, you know, really, again, the way that Orthodox women are represented in those books are very different from what you typically see. And so I became more and more interested in, is there another side of this story that we haven't been seeing enough of? So two questions. Was there a particular sort of straw that broke the camel's back in terms of you being sick of sort of the one-sided representation, um, I guess, sort of showing Orthodox women as, well, maybe I'd like you to put in your own words. What were you seeing too much of that made you feel like this is not authentic, this is not accurate? Um, so I think what it was was the articles in the paper, as well as the novels, as well as the films, it's not that they were necessarily misrepresenting Orthodox women. It's that they were interested in one very small piece of the puzzle, one, one tiny corner of the picture, um, and obviously, you know, they're looking to sell newspapers, they're looking to sell books, films, um, but the sensationalism around what I saw as, you know, the oppression of women. So Rosa Parks' spinning in her grave was, I remember one of the headlines when there were all these articles about um, women being sent to the back of the bus in Brooklyn, and then yeah. again later in Israel. Or there were articles about uh, how, you know, certain Hasidic sects were banning women from driving or how they were checking what women wore when they brought their children to school. Or, you know, just very recently the article about women being shamed for wearing long wigs, right? Right. Um, all of these articles are focusing on how oppressed Orthodox women 
are, and so few are about the great things that they do. Right. So there was so there was no article in particular. It was more just like a like just many many of these examples that one day made you feel like it's time to show the other side. Many many, and then even the ones I think that were trying to be feminist. So I think of a movie like A Price Above Rubies, and I talk about that in the book because, of course, I'm talking about. I use the name Women of Valor. I'm really interested in in how this the Eshes Chayel gets trotted out. Um, and A Price Above Rubies comes as a kind of feminist film, um, right. but it's only feminist because she ultimately leaves the community, right? So it becomes this, or you can be a strong woman, native woman, uh, a woman who's out there in the world, or you can be an orthodox woman, but you can't be both. Right. Okay, so so you wouldn't say you wouldn't say that there were media depictions that were wrong or false, more just like one sided. Is that more of your? Because I'm saying I'm trying to think like I don't know. There are certain obviously, like in The Stranger Among Us, they talk about the hole in the yeah. sheet. Which although there are yeah. Yeah. Um, groups that have more uh, strict policies on sex, which is is not normative and something I've discussed with my rabbi. Yeah, you know sort of the proliferation of that or I've noticed you know I just sort of noticed the one-offs because I spent a lot I haven't written like an academic text on this but I noticed this a lot um you know just like in the Fox show the Mindy Project where you know the main character is walking in the subway and passes a guy with uh, a beard and a hat and says out of my way rabbi and I think to myself he's not necessarily a rabbi he may just you know be or an ultra-orthodox Jew so um Meaning, were were you mostly noticing one side depictions, or were there any um, books or movies that you felt like were just purely um, inaccurate? Um, so I think there's a lot of inaccuracies. Don't get me wrong. I think the biggest one that I see come up is this anachronization, this treating people from Orthodox communities like they're stepping out of the pages of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a film which aims to actually tell a really nice story about Hasidic women. It's called Shekhina, and it was a, a film made in Montreal. Um, but the starting of the film, I mean, it really nailed it. It, it starts by, he shows a whole bunch of different, he's, he's really talking about Chabad, but showing Hasidic people who are very clearly not Chabad. Um, and then the, the narrator, the filmmaker, and then he says, um, it was like Fiddler on the Roof. And really, they're all like Fiddler on the Roof, these representations, right? It's like, look at this great story from the past. Um, and it's this refusal to see that modernity that's just different from other right. people's. I can give you an example. I, I know again, I'm not sure if you're only looking at um, literature for, for this book. Um, the foreword had this diatribe against the Besden of America. This guy um, you know, gave his wife a get, and he talked about when he walked into the office, you know, he was evoking imagery of like the push carts of like, you know, sort of the immigrant past and just the way that he described the smells. And it was like, you know, from another century, from another era. Um, and I know the best end of America, these are like modern, educated, you know, 
Um, and it was just so coded with, um, again, his idea or understanding that Orthodox Jews are sort of these, yeah, like you said, anachronisms living in the modern world. But And I think for me, what, what bothers me about that is that it means that there's nothing relevant about what we do. We are just sort of a page out of history, but have no contribution or relevance to the modern world, which which I think is not fair. Um, Absolutely. You mentioned, you mentioned um, I guess, uh, this this book about um, the, the woman in Montreal writing about her Hasidic life. Was that a major publisher? Did anyone see this book? Or it's something that most people have never actually read or seen? So that book has a very interesting history because um, the writer uses a pseudonym. She doesn't use her real name. And she was a writer, or is a writer, uh, who writes for Orthodox magazines. So I think she's written for Ami. I think she's written for Bina, um, Mishpacha. And there's a, um, a man named Pierre Anctil. He's a Francophone Canadian man, not Jewish, but he studies the Jewish community of Montreal. He studies their history. And he came across some of her writings, and mm -hmm. he approached her, and he said, why don't you write these up, make a, a little book of the, of a collection of these stories, and we'll publish them in French, and I think that it would be really nice for the Francophone community to read these stories and see that you're not so different like they imagine. And so it's, it's an unusual story. And, and so she put together a, a collection of these, and it was actually published in French before it was published in English. Um, mm -hmm. And it had a really positive reception. Because as I said, in Montreal and in Quebec at large, there's a lot of friction. There's a lot of tension that's been going on for about 30 years between these communities. Um, and I don't want to say it solved all the problems of the community, but right. I think it was a nice overture, right? Mm -hmm. I think... The, um, the French community is like the, like in France, they're very concerned with secularism or laïcité. It's a, it's a big concept. Um, they're very worried about any kind of religiousness getting into society. And particularly, religious means oppressing women in that. Mm -hmm in that world. Um, and so there's a lot of suspicion around religious people and, and the lack of egalitarianism. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it was a really important book, very small. We're not talking about a big production, but it did good cultural work. And now in Montreal, and for the last few years, there is a woman named Mindy Pollack. She is a borough councillor, so she's an elected official. Right. Um, and she's a uh, uh, Hasidic woman, a, a, Vishnitz, a Vishnitzer, and um, it was a huge thing for her to be elected. That's the first Hasidic woman who's been elected to office. Right. Um, so, you know, there are these things going on in that community that are really pushing against the stereotypes and also the tensions. Right. So, um, okay, so we named some of the things that are problematic or inaccurate um, and you said Faye Kellerman is a good example of someone uh, writing, you know, from the, an insider point of view, as well as this um, woman with a pseudonym. Anyone else that you think um, has gotten a decent following? Because I find the biggest challenge is that every memoir about, 
you know, the person horrible, dysfunctional, abusive, orthodox life. Um, you know, all the media wants to cover it, um, the talk shows, um, and those things just get a ton of coverage. And it's not to say that um, sad stories shouldn't be shared, too, because they, they are, you know, in as much as they're accurate, I think some of these um, these authors, their uh, accuracy or honesty has been called into question even by insiders. But, you know, for however much these stories are true, um, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of them are, um, you know, this story should be told, but so much more, um, I guess, space and airtime is given for, you know, the sensationalism. Um, but who do you think, you know, telling the story in their own words um, has made a splash in terms of uh, the, the other side? Yeah, I mean, so Faith Hellerman was actually very interesting to me because, as I said, it it wasn't the kind of story I read, but actually... Someone like Faye Hellerman is read by tens of millions of readers, and she does an incredible job of teaching the intricacies of Orthodox life, really with a focus on women and strong women. Um, but, of course, you have someone like Rama Burstein, who is also yeah. maybe, maybe doesn't quite have the same number of followers, but... Uh, I don't know if her second film got as much attention as the first one, but the first one was really widely watched, um, right. really beautifully done. I mean, it's a beautiful movie, Fill the Void. Yeah. And I think something that she does that's so remarkable to me is that, you know, in that second film, in The Wedding Plan, the characters are, are interesting. The main character is quirky, right? She doesn't fit any image of, a, I think, an Orthodox woman that people have. Um, right. She drives the... Have you seen the film? I did see the film, yeah. I saw it and I reviewed it and it was great, yeah. It was great, right? It's just, it presents... It's not about saying, uh, you know, here's how great our lives are. Actually, she shows a lot of challenges in the woman's life, but it's it's that she really humanizes her in that way. She makes her somebody that you can recognize whether you're secular, whether you're Jewish, you're not Jewish. Um, she's, she's a very sympathetic character. No, you know, it's interesting in terms of why the second film did not go as big as the first one. Now, it could be that it was less of a novel idea for her to do such a thing because she did it before. But part of me wonders, right. because right. the first film, Fill the Void, sort of had more traditional Hasidic looking characters and the other one was more like hippie Hasidim, um, that that's sort of less interesting. Um, something that really bothered me, um, Oprah Winfrey did a special a few years ago um, in Crown Heights. And what I just found so fascinating is that the majority of people that I know in Crown Heights, the women have these beautiful glamorous shaitels and wear, you know, I mean, they look like they could be on a red carpet, you know, modest, but very, you know, put together. Um, and she found really like the most like chanyaki, like frummy, frumpy, like Rebbitson, um to speak uh, on the show. Um, the kids had never heard of uh, Mickey Mouse before. The family spontaneously erupts right. into a hurrah, right. like, you know, on a random Tuesday morning. And I, I felt like the depiction was sort of like, come and we will take you on a journey of a remarkable and isolated island called Hasidic Judaism. And we will give gain access to where no normal people have gone before, um, which I feel like it just makes us into like a freak show. So 
on one hand, we are, you know, anachronistic and don't really belong in this world. And then on the other hand, we're just so isolated and bizarre. Um, I'm waiting for someone, and perhaps Faye Kellerman, you know, is doing this by depicting, you know, more modern Orthodox characters. But where, where is the person on television, you know, wearing yarmulke and heading home for Shabbos, but he's, like, working at the big law firm? Like, where are those characters of people that just fit into the world and are devoutly religious, um, but, you know, um, aren't that much different. Because we just, we see sort of like the Fran Drescher and the Jerry Seinfeld, or we see, yeah. you know, the, the Chassid that never smiles, and we never see the depiction in between. I don't know, would you have a, any thoughts on, you know, what would it take for, um, you know, media to show a more in-between type of character? Well, I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that even in the last few years, we are starting to see more variety and more positive representations, more complex representations. Um, I start my book, actually, by looking at these graphic novels that are done by a, a secular man and not by an Orthodox woman. And the reason I I'm start with that and I come back to it at the end is that the, the fact that a, a, a secular man who really has nothing to do with the Orthodox world chose to write his books about an Orthodox girl heroine um, suggested to me that actually maybe there's a way in which it's a little bit going mainstream that you can have, right? He calls, he, his tagline for the book is, yet another troll-fighting 11-year-old Orthodox Jewish girl. And I love the yet another like, as right. if there are so many troll-fighting Orthodox Jewish girls, this is just another one of them. Um, but I thought it normalized it, right? Here's a, a heroine who's so different from the heroine I've ever seen, and yet he makes it like it's typical. This can be right. part of our, our cultural repertoire, and I love that. Um, so, you know, I saw the film 93 Queen recently, which I thought was so fantastic, um, and I think... You know, within the Orthodox world, and, and particularly among the women, there's great work being done. I don't know how many people will see 93 Queen who are not the same, you know, audience that you have, the same people who might read my book. Um, but I do think these graphic novels, like Hairville, will be read really widely. And so I, I feel like there's reason to be optimistic. There is some movement out there to to think about Orthodox women, Orthodox people as yet another group within America and these other countries. So I had a conversation. I mean, look, I, I think it's getting better, and I think that social media is helping to democratize um, information. I mean, which is why, you know, I started Jew in the City, uh, you know, over a decade ago because I thought it was a chance to, you know, share. Um, an insider's perspective and not rely on the New York Times to do, you know, yet another hit job on the Orthodox community. Um, but I had a conversation with a senior writer and producer of The Big Bang Theory, which I published on Jew in the City, um, a secular Jewish guy, um, Eric Kaplan. And we, it started off as sort of like a Facebook um, back and forth message. And I asked him if I could publish it. And I said to him, where are those characters of, you know, the mm -hmm. Shomer mm -hmm. Shabbos guy going home to his family and, he basically said to me, if we were to do that, that would be propaganda. 
Um, and if I'm going to show you that guy, then I need to, he needs to also be homophobic and, you know, looking down on people that have premarital sex. And I said to him, do you get that we're not also judgmental, that there are some of us that, you know, can live in this complexity of having certain values that we hold ourselves up to, but don't, you know, sort of look down on other people if they live their life differently, if they choose differently, if they, you know, um, and I guess my fear, and I agree with you that things are, you know, moving in a somewhat better direction. My fear is that um, there's so much bias still, you know, from the creators of, um, you know, movies and television shows and books and all that stuff themselves that it's hard for them to even sort of see beyond their understanding. And maybe even the step before that is because of the dysfunction that exists in the Orthodox world, we sort of keep giving great material to reporters and, you know, um, screen writers and that sort of thing. And so, because um, I don't want to put all the blame on, you know, the people that create media, unfortunately, um, we do a very big disservice to how people consider us by having, you know, unhealthy practices and, you know, sort of allowing for dysfunctional things to happen, which makes the stories in the first place. I don't know, maybe this is, I'm just, I'm a little very close to this, but do you have any thoughts on sort of, I guess, the dysfunction or the extremism in the community continuing to fuel stuff or maybe things will continue I mean, to get Yes, I think that um, the extremism in the community is part of this. It, it, in fact, I think it's a push and pull, right? The more that we have people like Rookie Fryer and sort of people who really have a public face and are are doing great things for women and for Orthodox communities, then you have the reaction of pushing even further to the extreme, right? Mm-hmm. So that it, it, it doesn't, it, it almost is like it has to have some kind of balance, and it's not a good balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also find that in the same way, so you have these extremist Haredi publications that won't publish pictures of women, right? Right. Um, but then what I, you find often in, in mainstream press is a replication of that very work. The thing that they criticize is the thing that they do. So, I mean, just on Rosh Hashanah, I saw there was an article in The Guardian. It said mm-hmm. something like, I want to be a doctor, not a rabbi. Uh, how Israeli ultra-Orthodox are being drawn into work, I think the title was something like that. Um, but actually, the whole article was about men. So when the title said ultra-Orthodox, actually, it's like women don't even exist in the community. So I find that, it's yes, it is fueling it, but then you would think that since they're trying, you know, they so often criticize the community, they might have a little bit of recognition when they're doing the same kind of move. Um, You know, it's like the IKEA catalog that was out in, in... some communities that had only men and boys in it, right? They, they took out every picture of every woman, which, you know, I like to think in my optimistic moments, I say, well, oh, it's all pictures of men in the kitchen and, and men doing the child care. I think it could be very feminist. Um, but I don't think that's what the intention was. Right, right. Well, I mean, there's. I feel like there's so much uh, more to talk about. So, okay, so to sum things up, you think that we are, that the trend is moving in the right direction, and uh, will we ever reach, do you think, uh, a point where um, we have an equal number of insider 
insider stories and uh, the more, or maybe I would say a more of a balance of the positive and the negative. Like I'm saying, well, the like we, we don't actually call people out on things so often in terms of popular media because a lot of times Orthodox Jews aren't, you know, reading or, or watching these things. So True. we think it's possible that we, it could ever be, or other, and I guess we could also say that other groups, you know, have been misrepresented. Maybe there's too many terrorists, Absolutely. you know, for Muslim characters yep. or, you know, sort of too many sassy black characters. And maybe this is just a, you know, a problem with depicting people. But um, I don't know. I, we have we have about maybe like a minute uh, left to go if you have any sort of final <laughs> thoughts on uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say this, Allison. Like, when I saw the film Disobedience, I was very disappointed because I thought, um, oh, here was a great opportunity to show something good in the Orthodox community, and it's from this past year, and the ending of it, which changed very much from the novel, was not a positive ending to me. Um, it was, again, if you want to be a strong, interesting, different woman, you must leave the community. And so every time I think there's something that gives me a lot of hope. There's always something that sort of takes away that hope. So I'm not sure that we're ever going to get to a point where we have what we're looking for. But I do think at least there are these other things out there, right? A film like 93, 93 Queen is a great example, right? Made by a, an Orthodox woman about these really strong, really passionate Orthodox women there is some good out there. Great. All right. I guess we can keep on uh, plugging along. And where can people find your book? Um, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it uh, at some indie stores. You should be able to get it at Barnes & Noble online anyway. Okay. And it is called Women of Valor, Orthodox Jewish Troll Fighters, Crime Writers, and Rock Stars in Contemporary Literature and Culture by Karen Skenazi, and it was a fascinating read. Um, thank you so much for joining us and for your contribution to this really important topic. Thank you, Allison. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care. And thank you for listening. Okay, we can catch you. at the same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.